This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to the War Room. It's Natalie Winters, not Stephen K. Bannon, hosting the fourth hour of programming today for what has been a very long, historic, and monumental week full of victories for the War Room Posse anytime. K Street, the lobbyists, the rhinos are uh, in meltdown. I would put that down in our book as a, a good day for us. And we've had a lot of those as of late. We know there are some tough fights ahead, but... We have, I guess, some new technology to help enable us to fight even better, more efficiently. But of course, action, action, action has always been the strapline of this show. And I expect we'll see a lot of that uh, going forward. Uh, but someone who I think has really been part of the, the backbone of the war and posse, who really is, I would say, joining the elite of the, the elite right now. Of course, it is the 6 p.m hour on a Friday afternoon for War Room is none other than Darren J. Beattie, or should I say Dr. Darren J. Beattie, uh, who is joining us to talk about, there's so many things going on, um, but Darren, before we get into how they are trying to infiltrate our communities, our neighborhoods with, you know, Palestinian refugees, terrorists, whatever you want, if you want to be euphemistic, you can decide uh, on the label you choose to use. Um, but I believe it was a year ago today that Elon Musk historically you know, stormed the headquarters of Twitter out in California, where I am right now, um, and essentially took over the app. And I know you've always had the pom-poms out. Sometimes you retract them a little bit. But before we get into everything uh, happening domestically here, I'd love to just get your sort of analysis um, on, on how you would rate him on his first year uh, as the CEO of Twitter, or as or running Twitter, rather. Uh, that's a great question. And um, you're right, you know, we've been on it since the beginning. And in fact, our earlier and I would say seminal piece on the issue actually came out before it was even a matter of public conversation that he would um, ultimately acquire Twitter. So we've been on ahead of the curve on this. And I know there's a it's it's a vexed issue with uh, with our friend Steve, <laughs> anything involving Elon, but I think it's important to approach these things with, um, you know, you don't want to simply celebrate, you don't want to simply criticize. Elon Musk, for better or worse, is one of the few people on the stage who might be called a live player. You know, you have a lot of people and they're predictable and you know they're they're not they don't really have agency they're operating on behalf of someone else or running someone else's script and this happens even on a high level whereas elon is one of the very few people who actually has agency and can make decisions on his own and therefore reshape um the broader political and cultural environment and he went in to take over twitter in a context in which um, not only is there so much dumb money at the highest level, but there's a lot of 
cowardly money and nobody's really like the wealthier people get the less willing they are to really play for keeps to play for high stakes to sacrifice anything because there's so much to lose and so what was so refreshing about what elon did even though some might have even called it reckless or he didn't quite know fully what he was getting into was he put himself in the arena in the way that no major billionaire had since Trump, actually. And, you know, you, from how constantly beleaguered Trump is with now indictments, lawsuits, the whole deal, um, it's a very messy thing when you effectively defect from the establishment class and step into the arena on behalf of the American public. And so it was just a very interesting thing to observe. As to the results, I think the results are mixed. Overall, I think it's an enormously positive thing to have somebody of Elon's stature um, undergo what we could only describe as a political awakening before the public. It's not simply the fact that he's acquired Twitter and implemented some free speech policies that are salutary, but he himself has undergone his own red pilling, as it were. And you can see that in his tweets just recently, in fact, to connect to something that we'll talk about shortly. Um, he addressed the issue of the Robert E. Lee monument, getting the furnace treatment and said, no, they want to they want to wipe you out. They want to wipe out the culture of the United States. They want to wipe out the legacy of the United States. He not only has commented on immigration, he himself has traveled to the border to bring attention to the crisis. And so doing that alone has already been much more meaningful and impactful than I would have to say 95% of elected Republican officials. In simply acquiring Twitter for all of the problems you know, that still remain, he did more for free speech than any elected official. So he's a major player, he's important, he's, he's taken a new role on the scene and I think it would be very hard to say that on net, it hasn't been an enormously positive one. That being said, there is still censorship on Twitter. Ironically, given you know my role and Revolver's role in sort of um, advancing the Twitter acquisition in the first place, um, I am actually, my own personal account, is more banned now than it was prior to Elon's <laughs> acquisition, which I find, you know, it's frustrating, but you know, whatever, you know, I, in my in some ways I see the bigger picture, you know, personally, it's very annoying to have that happen, but the bigger picture um, is a positive one. But yeah, my, <laughs> I'm, uh, my, my shadow banning is much more intense under Elon. And my theory of that is actually, I was, I came out as kind of hypercritical and, I, I even mocked, some might even say humiliated, an individual called Lex Fridman, uh, who, <laughs> for whatever reason, has some pull with Elon. So I suspect maybe Lex told him, hey, Elon, this guy has been saying mean things about me, so let's make sure we, we, uh, we punish him on Twitter, which may be the case. But if that's the case, it was worth it because he was a guy who deserved to be mocked. Of course, very deserving. Sounds like you're describing high school girls, but we can get into the uh, the furnace treatment of, of course, the Robert E. Lee statue. I know it's been a busy news cycle, so maybe the Warren Posse hasn't had the time to really dive into this story. But I, I do know, I remember much to the uh, outrage of the Anti-Defamation League and basically all of the 
the left and the mainstream establishment. You used to be uh, on the Commission to Preserve America's Heritage Abroad, correct? So I feel like you are, are an expert uh, at discussing what exactly happened, uh, the unfortunate, very hot fate of uh, the statue of Robert E. Lee. So if you want to walk people through what exactly happened there, um, really outrageous. Well, yes, and unfortunately, this thing is not happening abroad. This is happening yeah. right here at home and right at the core, you know, in Virginia. And for those not paying attention, you know, there's all these monuments to, um, you know, Southern uh, heroes, to figures in the Confederate Army, including Robert E. Lee, principally Robert E. Lee. It was a subject of a lot of controversy. Um, years ago and ultimately the government decided just to not only take the statue away from monument avenue but to put it in the furnace and destroy it uh, for good and symbolically i think that's quite meaningful you know it's an interesting thing because you know we can get into the full history of it and there's a piece right now that i recommend people read um, just about Biden's assault on these Southern uh, memorials. And, you know, given people's juvenile understanding of history, you know, and who can blame them given, you know, what our schools are like now, but there's this kind of naive sense of, oh, it's, you no, know, it's just about slavery, just about this. I mean, people would be shocked to know that major leaders of all stripes have praised Robert Winston Churchill said that he was one of the greatest Americans. Jack Kennedy, Democrat and consummate New Englander, Northerner, had nothing but praise for Robert E. Lee. Ronald Reagan, you name it, though the whole spectrum. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt had you know the highest praise. So basically, this notion that anything um, that commemorates Southern Confederate figures is ipso facto racist and, you know, pro-slavery is a very, very recent idea. In fact, probably really emerged over the past 20 years, maybe even more recently than that with all the woke stuff. It has nothing to do with the way that Americans have traditionally understood the Civil War and the reconciliation process and have approached um, the commemoration of these various um, Confederate figures. And, you know, but given the historical ignorance, it really underscores the fact it's not really about the conflict between the North and South as such that was the Civil War. What this is from the perspective of the people calling to tear down the statues in sort of Taliban style, it's not about the North or South. It's part of the larger war against America as such, and America's symbols and America's heritage. Um, and that's why, you know, the, the ultimate uh, spectacle of the Robert E. Lee figure in the furnace, I think, is so symbolically arresting to people to see that in its finality. And there are a number of takes from this. And, you know, one take on it that I put out on Twitter is that in a way it's doing Robert E. Lee a service because now everything has to be purposed to the service of the ideology of the globalist American empire that I call it, the hyper egalitarian, woke, everything. And so for historical figures, there are only two options. 
there to be demonized and destroyed or what I call the drag queen option, the trans option, which is to completely bowdlerize, to completely reinterpret, to completely selectively appropriate aspects of somebody's history in order to put their biography in false service of the globalist American empire ideology. And, you know, in a way, this has happened even, you know, taking just in keeping with the Civil War um, iconography and historiography. This has been done to Lincoln, you know, Lincoln, if people wanted, they could point out all of these so-called racist things that Lincoln would have said. But no, Lincoln is designated as a good person. And so the historical version that's presented is one that's um, highly tangentious and just warps him into a figure that can be repurposed as uh, as part of our ideology. So in a way, it's actually more respectful, I think, to historical figures to literally put them in the furnace than to reinterpret everything they did for um, a cause and an ideology that is so um, foreign to what they actually were and stood for historically. So that's another kind of perspective on it. But either way, it does mark uh, the, you know, it, it marks a certain type of finality. And I think that's why the images of this bust in the furnace are so kind of meaningful to people, even though we knew they took down these monuments a long time ago. Another thing I'll say is military service is disproportionately from Southern people. And I wonder what level of toleration do these Southerners have for the regime spitting on them and spitting on the graves of their ancestors? How much more are they going to take before they start to say, you know what? If you're going to rename all these military bases just to spite us and our history and our tradition of military service, if you're going to put our figures in the furnace, um, then we're not going to sign up for the stupid wars that have nothing to do with our interests in the first place. You know, Southerners should start asking that question first. I would say, you know, not just Southerners will start asking these questions, but especially Southerners, given the particular assault on their traditions and heritage and history and so forth, they might start asking, why the hell should we sign up for the globalist American empire's conflict and you know the new conflict in the Middle East? Or why should they go send out to die for Taiwan when they're being spat on here at home by everybody who runs the institutions in the United States. So, but maybe they won't ask that. Maybe they'll just keep taking it, in which case that's a very bizarre thing. But it's worth asking that question because military service is and has always been disproportionately Southern. So it's interesting to see this special assault on Southern um, heritage and institutions. Well, it's no wonder that recruitment is down. I think you make a good point. But in some cases, you know, the causes, the interests, even the people that they want to replace, you know, Robert E. Lee, if you look at what happened to him, is more of a, a metaphor, at least having significance with, I think, what they want to do to, you know, his ancestors, the people who don't think that statue 
should have been torn down. They quite literally want to replace them with interests that are foreign. Um, and I think your story, obviously, you had been on the show before discussing the Palestinian refugee resettlement uh, grift um, scam. Yeah. But it seems like there's some new developments to the story that involve, you know, charities and NGOs, because where have those ever gone wrong? If you want to walk the audience through, maybe take it back a little bit. Um, but some of the new revelations that you guys have uncovered. Indeed. Just one really quick thing on the Confederate issue on this article that's up at Revolver News. There's this one, he's a West Point professor, Ty Seidel, who is on the commission in the military calling for renaming all of the, you know, the Southern bases to just expunge the entire history of the, uh, of the Confederacy there. His entire CV, which is available in this article, is actually quite amazing. It's literally everything that he's published is he this is a guy who teaches at West Point who's supposed to teach military um, history at West Point. He's a, he's a bald guy. His, his head looks really weird. He wrote <laughs> just he wrote a history of Juneteenth. This is his scholarship, a history of Juneteenth. <laughs> Black Power Cadets: How African American Students Defeated President Nixon's Confederate Monument. Named for the enemy, the U.S. Army's Confederate problem. I'm running through this guy's CV. Everything that he does is about how Robert E. Lee is this evil racist. And this is the guy who has a say in renaming um, the bases, let alone the guy who's teaching military history at West Point. He's author of the West Point Guide to the Civil Rights Movement. And here's even more scandalous because they do some good work. He actually had a, has a video with PragerU. Wow. Which is pretty interesting. You know, Prager, the prestigious PragerU, one cut above uh, Gucci, as they <laughs> say. But it, it is, it's pretty remarkable. So that's enough about that. But I, if, for people interested, I really encourage you to go to revolver.news and, and read this. As for the resettlement issue, you're right, and I know we're running out of time, but there's our, our last piece is about who would resettle the potentially millions of Palestinian refugees um, who might be created as this conflict um, develops and escalates, which I hope it doesn't, but things are not looking, not looking good. Gaza has uh, no, no power, no telecommunication, so it looks like we're we're about to get into escalation here. And we've had US elected officials calling for resettling the refugees here. In fact, the the really low IQ congressman who had that fire alarm thing, who said he was trying, to, <laughs> he was so dumb, he claimed he was so dumb that he thought pushing the fire alarm would open a door. Uh, his name is Jamal with two A's. I say it's two A's for affirmative action. But this is the guy who came forth and said, yeah, of course, we need to settle all the Palestinians. Well, then the question is, who would be responsible for this resettling? Because there have been recent scandals with this DHS woman, uh, Nejwa Ali, who was literal uh, PLO uh, employee, Palestinian Liberation Organization employee. And uh, thankfully, they got rid of her. But who else is in charge? And so this revolver piece chronicles one Krishanti Vignaraja, who mm. runs the Lutheran Refugee Resettlement Services, <laughs> which is generally 
uh, generously funded by the U.S. government. Her CV includes a stint at the State Department under Hillary Clinton and a chief of staff position for the big kahuna herself, none other than Michelle Obama. And we go into this woman and the history of her organization, the Lutheran Resettlement Organization actually resettled uh, Ilhan Omar. So they have that uh, to boast for. But it gets into a larger theoretical conversation because there's a revolving door that her biography represents between the NGO and government. But there's a more important revolving door here. And that's uh, underscored by her tenure at the State Department, which is her tenure at the State Department. Nobody creates more refugees than Hillary Clinton through her policies in Syria, through her policies in Libya. This created a huge refugee crisis around 2015 of all these refugees headed up to Europe, some to the United States. And so it speaks to this really perverse um, uh, cycle whereby U.S. foreign policy yeah. creates refugees and then the same people heading the resettlement institutions bring the refugees into the American interior um, in order to affect the political transformation that they consider to be useful to their agenda. So it's this whole invade the world, invite the world um, system that we've heard and that we kind of has become such a fixture of how our system operates. So this woman represents it to a T, Krishanti Vignaraha. So if you want to read more about yeah. that, that's also at revolver.news. We always say infiltration, not invasion, but maybe in this case it is infiltration and invasion. Darren JBD, thank you so much for joining us. I kept you way too long, but I definitely think it was worth it. So if people want to follow you, read all these stories, where can they go to do all that? Revolver.news as always. And we're at Twitter, albeit much more suppressed <laughs> than we were prior to Elon's tenure, but I'm still pro Elon. That's at Darren J. Beattie on Twitter. And we're always white, white hot on Getter at Revolver News. So check us out. Well, happy anniversary. Thank you so much for joining us, Darren. Thank you, Natalie. And I think we have a good friend of the show, Kane from Citizen, that is singular, Citizen Free Press joining us. I'll probably hold you through the break. But before we get into it, um, I would love your thoughts. I know you're always keeping tabs of all the headlines, the polls. I think I just saw a headline in The Hill not too long ago saying, what was it, warning signs flash for Biden in recent polling. And there's a host of articles like that. And I know you really like to get into the crosstabs, like to see how these polls interplay and interface. So I'd love to just get your analysis where you think Donald J. Trump, probably the only man who can stop World War III, the resettlement of all these Palestinian refugees and the continued burning of statues of Robert E. Lee. Uh, where do we stand on the electoral front with him? Hey, Natalie, I, uh, I just had to get unburied from the bunker. That was a fantastic discussion you just had <laughs> with Darren, by the way. You know, he, he referred people to a number of his stories, but, but one people should really check out that you didn't ask or that he didn't mention was his story on, on Ricky Vaughn, who was sentenced to 10 months, I believe, in prison last week for a meme about voting. And, um, and, and I would encourage, if people are going to go over to Revolver, look, do a control F search and look for the story on Ricky Vaughn. It's really important. Getting quickly to the polls, how much time do we have, Natalie? 
I will keep you through the break, but you got about, I'll say, three to four minutes. Okay. All right. So getting to the polls. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot happening. And we'll start right out there. There's a big new Gallup poll out. And Biden's approval rating with Democrats has fallen to its lowest point. So that sort of leads to you know what I want to discuss, because there was another interesting interview with Jill Biden this week where they were asking her about her husband running as though and it was NBC News. And and the questions were sort of coming from a frame of reference of the issue hasn't been decided, that even though we get these public um, these public statements that Joe Biden is running, that ultimately it still isn't decided. And I don't think Jill did anything to put that speculation away in the article, because when she was asked the questions, as opposed to answering affirmatively and strongly, she responded with things like, well, I don't think there's anyone better at uniting the country. And I don't think there's anyone better who understands politics and Washington, D.C. So she answered them with sort of these very, very fuzzy, fuzzy sounding responses. So we have that is one issue brewing, right? Is Biden even going to run? And would Gavin Newsom step in his place? Now jumping to that Gallup poll that I mentioned a minute ago, he's at his lowest approval for Democrats in in his three years. And he's down to 37% approval overall. There have been a number of other polls that are showing, you know, and I want to say this about these polls. People need to keep this in mind. Three years ago, Biden was leading in the consensus, real clear politics and, and the aggregates. Biden was leading Trump's by six to eight points headed into or, or on Election Day. So the fact that Trump in some of these is pulling equally with Biden, People need to understand that's eight points better than he was doing three years ago. And we know how close it was and how essentially disputed certain states were. So to wrap it up, as you as you had to break, you know, I would say that that Trump has has been strong. He's moved to, you know, I, I put up a betting poll. It's got it's got five aggregate betting sources from Europe. And Trump is leading that. He took the lead over Biden in that about three weeks ago. So in the polling and in the betting odds, uh, Trump is looking very, very strong compared with 2020. And again, as we know, how close 2020 was. So I'm feeling pretty positive. Well, that makes me feel very positive. You also have great timing because we are coming up right against a break. I'll hold you through because I want to pick up where you left off and I have some more questions for you. Kane from Citizen Free Press. you got to go to citizenfreepress.com. The best person in the headline stacking business, I would say. You can also go to birchgold.com slash Bannon because who knows what types of policies, bailouts, loans, who knows? The Biden regime is going to try to toss out to win the votes that Donald Trump is peeling away from them day by day, month by month, indictment by indictment. Warren Posse will be right back after this break. It can happen anywhere. Fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, mudslides. Regular cell service is fragile and it can go down in an instant. That's why you absolutely need a satellite phone because When that happens, when the cell towers go down, how will you contact your loved ones? How will you contact emergency services? But with a sat phone, if you can see the sky, you can make a call. It's got 100% global coverage, ensuring you're always within reach. Your calls are secure and private. No one's eavesdropping. 
Even the U.S. military trusts these phones to communicate securely. Your text messages encrypted. Only the intended recipient can read them. Everything you do with this phone is 100% private and 100% secure. Now, right now, our trusted partners at War Room, the satellite phone store, is giving you a free Iridium 9555 satellite phone and a free Garmin watch with a 24-month plan if you go to sat123.com slash Bannon right now. That's sat123.com slash Bannon right now. Be ready for anything. The earthquake, wildfires, terrorism, anything, anywhere on Earth. With your new satellite phone today, you're always in contact. So go do it today. You get everything that we talked about as well as your free bonuses. Visit sat123.com slash Bannon and use code Steve50 at checkout for free activation or dial the following number, 941-955-1020 to snag your free Iridium 9555 satellite phone today. That's sat123.com slash Bannon, code Steve50 or call 941-955-1020. I'm the last person on earth to nag you about your diet. I think you can see I don't always make the healthiest food choices either. But I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens every morning. Unlike the others, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like heart, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast. You feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Now, let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. More energy. You'll look better. You'll feel better. And you'll get what the Mayo Clinic says is what you need in fruits and vegetables every day. Fieldofgreens.com. Code Bannon. Take agency. Do it today. Action, action, action. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. 
Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. It's always fun. And we have Kane from Citizen Free Press joining us. Kane, I have one last question for you before I have to let you go. Maybe we need to add an extra hour to War Room because we have so many great guests with so many great opinions and analysis. But I'm just curious, you know, as we are sitting here potentially on the you know brink of World War III, for lack of a better term, but we see the events unfolding, airstrikes, drone strikes, whatever, in the Middle East, U.S. interests being attacked, of course, Israel, Gaza, who knows? We're definitely in the fog of war when it comes to the information warfare side of things. But you, know, you obviously study headlines. You've seen these regional conflicts sort of come and go. But in the case of this war right now, I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, where do you think the mainstream media, of course, in, in lockstep with, you know, Democrats in Congress, the establishment Republicans, really the elite of this country, in their interests, whether it's personnel, financial, the sake of the country, the future of the country, where do you think, again, from the media perspective, they're trying to push this conflict? Do you think they're taking the sort of Lindsey Graham strap line, trying to blow it up? into a broader, not just regional war, but, you know, full-scale war involving Iran and China? Or do you think it's going to stay contained? I know this is outside the realm of what I typically ask you about, but I was just curious your thoughts. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'll give you sort of two answers. From the media's perspective, as you know, blood sells, war sells. So sort of, you know, the collective action of, of thousands of individuals who are all sort of striving for clicks, that collective action could, in a lot of ways, sort of hype headlines, sensationalize headlines, and sort of definitely be in, you know, help put us on the way to war. And certainly, you know, what happened 10 days ago or two weeks ago with coverage of the hospital, uh, of what happened at the hospital in Gaza, I mean, there, you had mainstream American and, and sort of global networks, including BBC and New York Times, you had them essentially pushing us towards World War III by promoting fake news. And it was quite interesting, actually, that New York Times finally came out and issued, you know, they changed that headline on the original Gaza hospital thing. They changed their headline three times in 12 hours. Well, this week they actually came out with essentially an apology and explained that it wouldn't happen again. So there's one answer to your question about how, what the media and, and, and their perception. In terms of me and, you know, being an older guy and having been around and seen these things, um, I tend to be an optimist. You know, I, I feel like Victor Davis Hanson, who's, who's been, you know, right on some things and wrong on others. He, he gave some interesting points the other night. And he said that people need to need to realize that Iran is is quite kneecapped in this. And, and that's a positive sign. And his point was that, look, Iran has not really gotten involved. They're militias. Yes, they have their proxy militias, you know, causing headaches for for Israel. But Iran knows that, that um, well, you've got the crazed man, uh, Lindsey Graham, threatening to bomb them when he visits Israel. And then, you know, I personally, if you want to know, because people will see a lot of headlines 
on CFP. I don't think the United States needs to get involved in any way, shape or form. I've always considered Israel to have the greatest air force in the world and a fantastic fighting force. And I truly believe that they could handle this all on their own. I think they can handle a two front war. I think they can handle Lebanon and Gaza. Egypt is certainly not going to get involved. And again, I think the mullahs are scared. The mullahs have finally got right. What have they been dealing with for a decade or two decades? Sanctions and their oil business has, you know, sort of dried up. And for the first time now in the past six months, they've had positive things going. They got the six billion released from South Korea. And so I think the mullahs are correctly interpreting the situation to realize that they should not get too heavily involved in this. And and Lloyd Austin and others have sort of done a good job with warning. Um, so that's my read of it. I tend to I remain optimistic. I do not believe it will turn into World War Three, though, as a wider regional conflict, it could spread. Um, uh, so that's that's how I see it. But, you know, we won't. Uh, I'll be following it and you'll be following it every hour of every day um, until we get resolution. And it's it makes for it makes our job a little bit more exciting. But I try to be very careful <laughs> This will be the last thing I say. I try to be very careful about not fanning the flames of war because um, because it's not good for anyone. I uh, share that same disposition, Kane. Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to read the headlines, read the stack, follow you on Twitter, I know you like to come in hot. Uh, where can they go to do all that? Citizenfreepress.com. That's all they no need. No S. And, uh... Citizen. <laughs> Yeah, plural. I, excuse me, singular citizen, and uh, and I wish everyone in the war room posse uh, a fantastic, safe weekend. Thank you, sir. You have a good weekend yourself. I think we got Mike Davis up now. I don't just have Mike on the show because he subscribes to me on Twitter. That is one of the reasons. Um, <laughs> that's a shameless plug. No, um, Mike, I hear you have some strong feelings about how we need to deport. They like to say Palestinian activists. I think that's too euphemistic a term. Let's call them what they are. Terrorist sympathizers, if not enablers, um, living within this country. The enemy is, of course, within, as you guys well know. Um, but your thoughts on, on all of that, the actual legal policies that we could push to, to make sure that that happens. We need to start to get serious in America that we are dealing with a very dangerous threat from within. And uh, Europe has been experiencing, experiencing this. We have President Obama, who has sent billions of dollars, just uh, and President Biden, President Obama and President Biden sending billions of dollars to Iran. Iran uh, funds Hezbollah and Hamas terrorism against Israel. Their goal is to destroy Israel and kill nearly 10 million Israelis um, from the river to the sea. And we have President Biden opening up our borders and allowing these uh, illegal economic migrants and, and many other people, fighting age men from very bad countries around the Middle East and around the world, they get to flood into our country unvetted. And we're gonna have a problem here. We're gonna have a problem with sleeper cells and terrorism across this country unless we get serious about this. We fund academia where they are blatantly anti-Semitic. They are blatant terrorist supporters. And so we are funding Iran, we're funding terrorism abroad. We're importing terrorist sympathizers into America and we're funding them. We're funding them 
in in universities and academia were sending money to Hamas for so, supposed humanitarian aid. I mean, we have to get serious in this country. We have to get serious about uh, it, deporting these people, not letting in not letting in people who shouldn't be here in the first place. But during the Trump 47 administration, we need to get serious about using our federal civil rights laws, our hate crimes laws, to go after these terrorist supporters, to go after these people who are committing hate crimes against American Jews and others, right? Against Asians, American Jews, and others who don't fit into the, to the BLM Hamas coalition. We need to get serious about deporting people, revoking visas and deporting these terrorist sympathizers. And we need to get serious about using the denaturalization process for naturalized American citizens who lied on their citizen applications. They are Hamas supporters. They are he Hezbollah supporters. Uh, they are terrorist supporters. They lied on their citizenship application. We need to use the denaturalization process to denaturalize these terrorist supporters and get them the hell out of our country. We had a guest on the show yesterday talking about how CBP and ICE don't even label or don't even have Palestinian, Gazan, or West Bank as a criteria for people who cross the border illegally. So they're categorized as Israelis, as hard as that is to believe. Mike, I'd love to keep you longer, but unfortunately, we have some breaking war room news that has to do with more pressing things like merchandise and uh, Grace Chong's Tim Pool appearance. So I got to let you go. But in the meantime, over the weekend, if people want to stay up to date with your uh, spicy takes on, on really all the platforms, where can they go to do that? I would just say quickly, the other Muslim countries won't even take the Gazans. So that tells you why we shouldn't <laughs> have them in America. And it's at, uh, at article3project.org, article3project.org, at article3project.org on Getter Twitter Truth at Article Number Three Project. And my personal is at MRDDMIA, MRDDMIA. And thank you, Natalie. Of course, thank you. I know Trump used to always say they're not sending their best, but in this case, uh, they're sending terrorists. Now, then maybe that's the uh, 2023 update to that slogan. Mike Davis, thank you so much for joining us. Now, uh, Memphis, if you guys want to roll the, uh, the video of Grace Chong, she found time in her busy schedule after making her star debut appearance on Tim Pool last night. We can watch that, and then we'll have Grace joining us after. I have another special announcement, if I can um, say it right now, is we developed an app. It's actually for um, the posse, but really anyone that wants to get engaged, you know, especially with what happened with the speaker election of calling all your representatives and congressmen. And right now it's just been so difficult because you have a general line and you have to like talk to a switchboard, but we created an app where it's a list of all your representatives, your senators based on your location. If you want to take uh, turn off the location part, you can look up any state, any representative, and it's all in one app. It, you can also, click on their website to email them. And this is just so another tool for us to just really hound them and to make sure that um, the representatives hear their constituents. And- Did you say the name of it yet? Oh, it's called Bill Blaster. It Right now it is only available on Apple. It was a passion project that was created by myself and my friend who will remain nameless because he's in the tech industry and you know the whole cancel culture thing. But um, but this is just a tool because 
it actually started when the debt ceiling, Steve, Steve Bannon, my boss, he wanted me to like put all these lists together of who voted yes and no. And it just became this whole Excel spreadsheet. I love Excel because I'm, you know, in accounting and finance. And then um, it ended up being like a 40 page PDF of like people uh, all like I had the Twitter handles or X handles, their their websites and everything. And, um, you know, my my really pissed off techie friend, he, he was like, let's make an app. Let's not go backwards. Let's on take this. action. And let's take cool. action, action, action. So we've been working on this for months. And yeah, just build blaster. It's available on Apple. We're going to work on the Android soon. Um, but please download yeah. it. It's free. And and yeah, it's it's a great tool. And I'm super excited. Right so, on. Well, thank thanks. You. Thanks for hanging out. It should be fun. We got Hannah Claire hanging out. Hi, I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a well, I know I'm the uh, technical co-host of War Room, but I think I may lose my job pretty soon to, to Grace Chong. She had a wonderful appearance on a Tim Cast last night. We, of course, love the guys out there. And we've got to get our other guest who is concurrently joining us, of course, Captain Maureen Bannon, to do Tim's show soon. Um, the two of you, I think, will be able to get you on at the same time. I know you guys have some big news. Grace, I'll start with you. If you just kind of want to walk the posse through what exactly you were explaining uh, in that clip, I'm sure they would appreciate it. I actually just got back from DC. I, like, <laughs> and you're wearing the same ago. sweater. <laughs> yes, 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 which we'll, we'll talk about. But um, just quickly, it's called the Bill Blaster app, and it was. Um, an app that we created really for the posse, but just really anyone who wants to um, really engage and and talk to their representatives directly instead of having to call, you know, the switchboard and trying to get connected. And then you have like 10 people you want to call, you have to write it down, you know. So this was a project that we started um, just really quickly, you know, Steve wanted me to put all the, you know, the people who said voted yes on the debt ceiling, all their numbers, you know, posted all of the socials. I ended up doing like every single representative. It ended up becoming like a 40 page PDF document. And I'm like, why do I have a phone book? So this is how the app was created. And I've already, we've already gotten such a great response. Everyone has, I, I have to look at the analytics to see how many people have downloaded it, but the posse is loving it. It is called Bill Blaster. It's only available on Apple right now. Don't worry, Android is coming next. And then also we're gonna be working on uh, other features, for example, notifications for like when Steve says, hurry up and call, we have a call to action. We're gonna work on that. You can also watch War Room on here. I don't know if you can see, um, that's just the wow. list. Yeah, and then you it shows you your area, you know, like your, um, Senator, and I don't know why it says Arizona. I think it's just because I was traveling. But you can watch War Room, and and we're super excited. Super simple, but it's really I think this is if anything to make all of them hate us more. This is it. So <laughs> we need a little bit more hatred, I think, nowadays. Uh, but something you'll probably get a lot of hate for wearing is the merchandise. I don't want to bury the lead of this show. Captain Maureen Bannon, I'll let you take it away, but I know you have some news for the posse. So Grace is wearing it, but you can go to shopwarroom.com and we just dropped our hoodies, 
um, crew necks, ladies V-neck, tank tops, beanies, and a shopping tote. So you can get the shopping tote and put all your goodies in there um, and send it to your family. But yes, we have dropped all of those items. And like I said, Grace has on the crew neck um, sweatshirt. So I highly encourage everyone in the posse to go to shopwarroom.com to get the new merch. And you will definitely, definitely have plenty of fans asking where you got it from. <laughs> lots of fans, lots, lots of haters too, I'm sure. But as you know, we, uh, we love the hate here in the war room. But Mo, I was just going to ask you, and, and or go, go ahead, go ahead. I, I think I forgot to mention the beanies. I, I can't remember if I mentioned that, but beanies. So I know people, especially in D.C., when it gets cold right around this time, and especially going into the winter months, you can rock your war room beanie, you know, all around D.C. <laughs> I love it. Um, Mo, I'm just curious, and Grace, if we have time, I'd love your thoughts, too. But just, you know, as we're concluding the week where we got the new Speaker of the House, really was a victory, you know, for the war room posse. I'm just curious, Mo, obviously, the CEO, you know, what have you heard from the war room posse? How happy are they that we got Mike Johnson and, and really a testament to how powerful of a force they are? Oh, I think they're very happy. And as Representative Eli Crane said on the morning show, you know, the calls to all of our congressmen and women have worked. The posse, your efforts have worked. You are the reason that we have this new Speaker of the House. Your efforts have not gone unnoticed. I've heard this from numerous representatives and their staffers that the War Room posse are constantly calling their phones and letting them know what, what, which way they want their con the constituents want them to vote and they appreciate it. You know, sometimes I've heard from posse members that, you know, some representatives and their staffers aren't too happy about the flooding of their phones, but it pays off. And that's why we have this new speaker of the house. So that, that is due to the war room posse. And Grace, I'm curious your thoughts too. I know you aren't someone who has a traditional background in the sense that, you know, you're not a political activist by training or by trade. You are, as you say, an accountant. You've known Steve for two decades, right? You've sort of seen yourself fulfill a lot of different roles. I'm just curious, we've got a few minutes, but, you know, your thoughts at the end of this week as to how much of a fighting force the Warren Posse is, but more importantly, how scared uh, the establishment is, you know, of us and how your app is going to help us make them even more scared. Well, I identify as the warm posse, so I'm just <laughs> like everybody else. And this fight was incredible. I mean, we took out McCarthy. You know, we it, we were relentless, and I'm just so proud of the posse. You know, and and this that really was the motivating factor in creating this app because really, even with our new speaker, and as much as you know, we like him, or you know, some may have some doubts or whatever, but. Our work is just beginning, and so the posse, we are a function for, uh, uh, function, functioning force. Did I get that right, Natalie? I'm like, yes. I am yeah, getting tired. <laughs> You're right delirious. I'm like, all all, we forgive you. Yes. So, um, so it's just, it's you know, even just being on tw uh, Twitter or X, um, just, just the excitement, just the, it's been so. It's been just so 
overwhelming for me to see how yeah. much the posse is just so engaged and just cares about the country. And really, the posse is saving America. So let's keep on doing it. The fight is not over. It's just starting. Download the app and let's call all the representatives like every day. So, Grace, if people want to follow you, where can they go to do that? You can follow me on Getter, at Grace Chong, Twitter, formerly known as X, at GC22GC, True Social, at Grace Chong. And also, Mo, don't forget to drop the, the promo code. And Mo, oh. you're, there, you're already taking my job for me. Mo, where can people find you and what is the promo code? <laughs> oh, before I forget, the promo code is Posse20 for 20% off. Posse20. And you can find me on Getter and Twitter at Maureen underscore Bannon and Instagram. And I just created a true social. So you can find me at those two at Real Maureen Bannon. I like it, Grace, how you said you're, you identify as the war room posse. I will add my, my pronouns are, are war room. <laughs> Thank you guys yes. for joining us. We will see you back soon, I'm sure. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Natalie. And war, war room posse, thank you so much for hanging with me. What a fun show to culminate what was a very historical week. you got to download that app. And in the meantime, go to Jace Medical com to see if you don't have to be relying on the Chinese Communist Party for your own personal health or any of the medications that you need, which sounds like an honorable goal worth pursuing. Warren Posse, you can find me, Natalie G. Winters, on all platforms. Thank you so much for following me. Have a fantastic and safe weekend. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.